name's Leanne Delaney and this podcast hosted by Explore Life Science is dedicated to showcasing success stories of exceptional careers and personal journeys in the medtech world. Uh, today's episode, I'm talking to Robert D. Nicola, the VP of Commercialization for Barrett Technology. He's been with the company 18 months and he's joined us today. Robert, thank you for being here. It's wonderful to have you and share your story. Yeah, thanks, Leanne. Happy to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. So we're going to jump straight in. Tell me, why do you have a passion for what you do? Uh, what we do here, especially at Barrett, is we change lives. Uh, you know, we, we do um, rehabilitation robotics uh, is the division that I kind of head up right now. And being able to take part, a little part, and getting patients back from their worst possible time of their life to being normal again and normal quotations for them uh, is, is a great, great uh, privilege and honor. And it's amazing to have just a little piece of the outcome there. Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like it's such a rewarding job. I can see why you're you're really doing it. So tell me about a patient tell me about someone that you've you've helped you're talking about that impact give us a give us a story about someone you've helped yeah i mean that's that's the awesome part you know i, I may be uh you know a vp but I, I like to be in the field as much as possible and given the size of our company i always am and and yeah. that's what energizes you is you go out and deal with patients hands-on and you get to see them at their most intimate time their worst point of their lives and, and treat patients and there's so many that come to mind but I will go with probably the most recent one back in May uh, out in Kansas City. Uh, we had a patient there. We were doing a demo, actually. So uh, it was, uh, we were just getting all the worst patients they had to see how well our equipment worked. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a 48, 49-year-old uh, man, uh, had a very devastating stroke. He, he was dense hemi on his right-hand side, but also affected his left-hand side. And, you know, he was not, uh, he dropped out of school before high school. So he worked with his hands. So it was devastating for him to yeah. really suffer the stroke. And, you know, like, we're going to put you in and try your good arm. And his good arm had some strictures too. So he had some problems with his left hand. And he did a really good job. He was playing the games, he was engaging, and he's aphasic too. So he really can't communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. And he's been there for a couple of weeks and really wasn't engaging in therapy. And, um, you know, he, he for the 15 minutes he was playing those games, he was laughing, he was trying to joke, he was really having a great time and being engaged in this therapy for the first time there. And then um, we, the therapist decided to put his dense arm, his affected arm, we had no movement whatsoever in there and had the robot help out. And as we were doing that, he started crying uncontrollably, just weeping as I'm putting his arm in there and I had to stop and give him a hug. You know, because he was crying, this big, burly guy with tattoos is crying because he's so upset that he might never have his life back again, that he, that, and he needs that life to support himself and his family. And, um, you know, it's very emotional because we're all laughing, having a great time, seeing him engage in the, in the therapy gyms there, and the therapists are there, and they're all cheering him on, and all of a sudden, like that, it changed. And, you know, we took him out and uh, the therapist took him back to his room. But he came back later in that afternoon and, and, and used the robot with his bad arm and had fun. So, you know, it really speaks to how emotional the journey is for these people uh, with stroke and traumatic brain injury. It really is a lot of emotion. And yeah. um, being able to just help out in the most little way and share those moments with them is, is really amazing and, and gives myself and anybody in our company who's out in the field, so much passion to do what we do and go back and make it better and, and get this technology to more places to help more patients. It sounds like he had that moment of realization of what he could and could no longer do. And I mean, it sounds really fortunate that you and the rest of the team were there to sort of hold him in that really vulnerable time of need. Um, and you, do you know what, as somebody in your level, you probably don't get to be in the field as much. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons you ended up at Barrett Technologies. Um, tell me a little bit about how, how that came about. Yeah, so um, I was I was actually in, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, my, my previous company, when I got a call from a recruiter about, uh, <laughs> about Barrett, Barrett Technology and how they were looking for someone to commercialize their FDA uh, division of robotics. Yeah. They've been around for 30 years. 
Um, and they were the godfather of robots. Our CEO, Bill, um, MIT grad, uh, was the first person to put robots and humans together, uh, working together. So uh, pretty unique stuff. And he's in the, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records. It has uh, numerous awards for the most advanced technology. And um, they, were, they created this rehab robot out of their old commercial. It's called the Wham Arm, uh, which, was, which is cutting edge back when it was in, introduced back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were saying they're looking for someone who's really going to wants to get hands on uh, limited resources to create this sales division and commercialize for the first time in Barrett's history, a uh, medical robot. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly meet uh, with uh, Bill when I get back from Argentina. And next thing I know, I'm having a breakfast with him, uh, you know, just a breakfast meeting. And we clicked, you know, he, he's such a smart, brilliant guy. Uh, really understands um, the need for technology, and he was looking for a way to get it there. Uh, it really, it's his legacy. You know, he has a, he has a legacy already with all the designs and creations he's made. And you know, if you ever do any kind of PhD work for robotics, especially in this country, the United States, um, you probably use Barrett products. Uh, the wow. Wham is that you know legendary in that in the research realm. It is like the gold standard of robotics um, and, and commercializing it and working for him, working for the, the, the team. It's a very small, passionate team of people who've been there for a long time, uh, who created this amazing piece of technology, given just some, uh, you know, some, some uh, circumstances that came their way. Uh, it, it was definitely worth going at. And, and the fact that I would be able to be so hands-on you know, I was creating something from nothing here. There was no sales reps. There was no nothing. And so here I am creating marketing and sales and all this stuff and launching a product and launching, a, you know, a new company, basically, and also kind of creating a new market with upper extremity robotics. Uh, it really is a, a, an infant marketplace right now uh, in, in rehabilitation. So it's been a lot of work and having the uh, support and guidance and, and the great um, you know, influence that Bill has has been a rewarding thing and the reason why I went there, uh, definitely. It, it sounds like you've picked you know, somebody that's got that value and that passion to you know, work for. And, and actually it's you know, continued since his time at MIT. So you know, it's probably never gonna stop. <laughs> um, and you said he was in the Guinness Book of Records as well. What do you know what for? Yeah, but, uh, I think it was back in the 2000 anniversary, the most advanced robotics uh, ever. Uh, he got the award for that, basically. So, uh, again, I can't even stress how advanced his designs and his PhD work was for uh, the Barrett arm. Uh, it was back-drivable robotics, which was unheard of back then, which means that um, I have a, a robot here. It's back-drivable right here. It means you can move it easily. It, it doesn't jam up. There's no gears. It's all cables. So it's very safe around humans and yeah. easy, to, easy to manipulate. And before Bill did it, it really didn't exist. You know, robots were dangerous things behind cages that you probably saw back in the 70s, spot welding cars or something like that. And, you know, that was, uh, those were not safe. <laughs> this whole new, uh, um, whole new world of robotics was opened up by Bill. And there's a lot of other things like this now uh, that do everything from flip burgers to well to pick up phones to to do oh, surgery. Impressive. Yeah. Super impressive guy. Okay, so what's the product that that you've got there? So tell tell us about. Is this the product that you were talking about that you work on the most? Yeah. So this, this is the, our, our flagship medical product. It's it's called Bert. So Barrett Upper Extremity Robotic Trainer. Uh, that's what it stands for. It also is a nod to our old COO Bert Do who was Bill's mentor and our COO for a long time before he passed away back in 2013. So, uh, you know, keeping the legacy, it's a family at Barrett. So we always want to honor those who came before us and, you know, put our, our, our work out there. But yeah, this is the medical robot right here. It's an upper extremity robotic trainer used for uh, any traumatic brain injury. So whether it's acquired uh, through like a fall or an accident, uh, stroke, uh, MS, cerebral palsy, stuff like that. Uh, you can use this to help regain motion in your upper arm. Uh, and with a lot of, especially with stroke and brain injury, the first thing you have to kind of unfreeze and retrain is your shoulder. And then you work your way down to your hand, the more intricate parts, right? So you got to start somewhere. You start here. And, and what, makes, 
yeah, what makes this so unique uh, to the industry is how um, mobile and easy it is to use. Uh, a lot of robotic technology is great, but it takes a real long time to set patients up to actually do, do therapy. In a clinical setting, that doesn't work. Patients have a very limited amount of time that each day where they can do therapy. It's usually two to three hours a day of therapy. So if you have a great piece of equipment, but it takes 15 minutes to put a patient into it, it has no real value to a therapist to use because that time needs to be used to get patients rehab. They have like two or three weeks with a stroke to get as much back as they can, and it's very important. With Burt, there's a wheelchair right here. So basically any wheelchair can be rolled up to the machine, put the patient's arm in here, yeah. and basically start playing games and doing therapy within a minute or two, which is groundbreaking because the fact that you can do it that quickly, you can do your 15, 20 minutes of upper extremity rehabilitation or cognition work, and then go on to your next thing you have to do during your, your short time frame of uh, therapy. Um, and what's cool about it too is that you're doing very high amount of repetition and repetition is very important in neuro rehab. It's all about neuroplasticity. Basically as a kid, you keep on doing things, you learn how to do it and you rem remember it, muscle memory in some ways. So when you have a stroke or an acquired brain injury, parts of your brain kind of die off. They're just short circuited and everything that you learn there is kind of gone. Now your brain can develop new neurons and, and redevelop new pathways to connect things back but all that stuff has to be relearned. So whether it's speaking, walking, moving your arm, writing, you gotta relearn it. So the more you do something, just like if you play golf or any sport, the more you do it, theoretically, the better you get at it. And not for me at golf, but people get better the more they move their arm back and forth. But it's very tedious and boring normally. You're usually doing a, a what's yeah, it's like going to the gym, isn't it? You've got to do the same. I mean, I, I'm not a massive fan of the gym, but you've got to do the same move over and over again. And that's, especially when you're obviously thinking, am I going to get better? Am I going right. to get well? Is this going to work the same? What's good about this too is that, you know, there's a, a heavy gaming component to it. So, you know, uh, while the robot can work by itself without, with just a therapist and a patient, you don't have to play the games. Uh, the robot can eliminate gravity so the patient's arm is basically hanging free and can move with no gravity on it because gravity is an enemy for a patient that has no movement. It just kind of drops dead and is, has no movement. Right. So that that that's got that assist. So basically you can put your arm so it levitates and, and, and do motion. So the therapist can actually do that with you. Uh, but the gaming here makes it real fun because now you're engaging doing all kinds of cool uh, activities you don't realize how much work you're putting in. And you'll see patients get tired and fatigue, but they're having fun. So they don't really realize it as much and they'll keep on pushing because they want a higher score, they want to do better. And they're getting positive feedback because the games are made to give you positive feedback. Um, and you know they're also able to work on cognition as well, uh, which is great too, especially with a brain injury or a stroke. You, you usually have some cognition problems as well. So now not only are you working your arm and getting that motion back, but you're also working on your cognition. And I suppose that with, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the little, the gaming side of it in a minute, but the engagement side of it, of people staying in the rehabilitation program for longer, because I've heard of patients get really despondent with it and they can get a little bit tired of it. And, and obviously they get a bit upset. So does this keep patients engaged to go through that full rehabilitation um, program yeah. they need to to recover i would say so i mean again when you have like a i'll, I'll stick with a stroke because that's probably the biggest thing we deal with day in and day out is stroke is that you know you have a stroke you're you just rush to the er they, they you know they bust the clot and then within a couple of days when you're stable they send you to an inpatient rehab facility for rehab and you have like two maybe three weeks tops to get really intensive therapy and, and therapy is only two to three hours a day. So not that intensive, but you know, it's what you got to do. And you'll see patients who are very, very despondent, uh, who won't engage uh, and won't do, won't take their therapy serious. And their outcomes aren't all that great if they don't really get the most out of their rehab. Mm -hmm. So with, with, with robot, with BERT and other technology that's out there that uh, competitors have for other parts of the body and cognition, you can see the engagement level um, pick up. Uh, the patient I talked to you about in Kansas City, 
you know, he was there for uh, a week or so, and he wasn't really responding to therapy at all because he was pretty despondent, pretty sad. He was a phasic, so we had a lot of things going on. Yeah. But when he started playing games again, it something clicked. It was more enjoyable. It reminded him of him playing Xbox or PlayStation, which he enjoyed. So, you know, for a patient of that generation, uh, you know, 40-something and under, there's a real enjoyment. But even 50, 60, 70-year-olds now, they play their games on their phones like my parents. So they get an engagement level on this, and we have games for all levels. So it's it's pretty pretty awesome to keep patients engaged for as long as we can because rehab is very very tedious uh and it's, it's the therapists who work these ot's these pt's speech pathologists do god's work in many ways because they really not only have to to, to um you know actually do rehabilitation but they're also like counselor priest rabbi of of, of, of these of these patients trying to get them to engage and work with their, with them and their family to make sure they're getting the most out of therapy and their engagement and the time that they put in that isn't even billed for that they do themselves is, is amazing so anything that kind of helps make their job a little bit easier and we always talk about the bert being you know it's all about the patient the therapist and the robot working together we can put all that together to make better outcomes that's that's the best possible outcome oh my goodness it, it sounds like it's just one of those things that can really draw the best out of somebody in like their hardest situation. I mean, obviously they've got the people around them when you need it, but that's that's a level of engagement that they're going to really need. And it brings the kid out again. I mean, I've still got my Sega Mega Drive, um, which I'm showing my age now. Um, but it's at my dad's and he plays it and he's like in his 60s. So yeah, yeah. I think it just gives you that moment to, to be a, a kid again and forget about the fact that you've you've obviously gone through a trauma. Um, you know what's great too about it is that you'll have other therapy gyms pretty crowded normally during normal times. COVID may be a little bit different, uh, but you know it's it's all about that social aspect too of, of being social again, learning how to communicate and create friendships and and, and have uh, you know like a tribe kind of thing going on there to get better. And you'll see you know patients who are not doing therapy watching other patients play Bert and you know egg them on or cheer them on for doing better and other therapists will jump in so there's a real community element behind this technology as well and you'll have a lot of patients that we've seen Bert uh, you know be put in or we'll, maybe we'll do a demo for a few days where patients will see Bert use it once or see someone else use it and have fun and they'll ask to use it themselves they want to use it as well oh that's uh, so good I bet you love that as well <laughs> no it, it's you know, we want to make this um, a great experience for everybody, and we want to have uh, it help as many patients as possible. So it, it really is awesome to see uh, not only the great feedback from important people like therapists who have to use it, you know, and, and as a part of their, their their toolbox for rehabilitation, but really seeing patients get excited to do it or want to do it. That's kind of kind of awesome because a lot of patients don't want to do like you know uh, walking around in circles or table slides or something like that because it's boring as heck. So, um, you know, being able to hide therapy behind gaming, it's kind of cool. We're sneaky that way. Yeah, I like it. This is great. So tell me about the gaming side of it then. So, because this concept is um, not something I've come across before, but obviously you're, you've got a gaming division as well. These are games that you're putting together. So talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, so everything we do is, is, is created and developed in Barrett out in Newton, Massachusetts. So, you know, we have a very small team of three software engineers who create all of our games and, and our interfaces that we see here uh, for BERT for assessments and stuff like that. And gaming is a huge component of, of how BERT is successful. You know, we have basically three levels of games. We have what's called uh, Patient Max, BERT Max, uh, and we have Lock and Plane. So, like, Patient Max is the patient does all the work. The robot doesn't help out at all. It's for higher functioning patients. It's for patients who are looking to work maybe more in cognition. Um, and these games are usually a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of movement. Uh, so the patient has to do all of it. Uh, Bert Max has all the games that, um, has a, a lot of games that are in Patient Max, but the robot can help out up to 100%. So the robot can do all the work, which is fantastic. You know, uh, when a patient has a very l severely limitations on arms. So uh, think, uh, the technical term is like trace or plus minus two, which means they have very limited movement. They can be put into BERT and actually get movement and see their arm move in space. So if they can't move their arm in general, if you put it into the system here 
and have the the robot help out, it basically can, can move a completely dead arm so that patient can see their arm moving in space, which some therapists think is a really good thing because now they're actually seeing their arm work and the brain's kind of trying to figure out how that works and rewire themselves to relearn it. So, you know, we can help every, almost every patient on their therapy journey. So from the most severe, dense, hemiplegic cognition uh, patient who really needs a lot of help on every aspect where the robot does lots of the work, great, we can help you there. Also for patients who are fine tuning, who are plus minus uh, three or four, we're just really trying to get longer reach, uh, less uh, compensatory movement. So, you know, when you have an affected arm, instead of reaching like this, maybe you swing, you know, in a roundabout way, not the oh, correct so way to do something. Yeah, so, right, so using more muscles, right? It's called compensatory movements. We also have a um, function in our games called locking games. We basically lock a patient in a plane of movement to make them work on just that movement. Like, so say, think punching. So this movement's pretty easy for, for me or for you if you have a functioning arm, but if you don't, maybe you're, you're twisting your body or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're throwing like a, a roundhouse when you want to just be doing this. The robot locks you in by creating a force field where you can only punch along that line. So you're learning that exact movement or maybe left or right or, or up or down, whatever movement you're trying to lock a patient into to fine tune their movement. You can do that with the machine, which is great. You wouldn't think it because it's a free floating arm, but the way the design is here, uh, you can, it can lock into planes and basically create force fields that you can't go through. It, it's, the, the arm can't break through it. it. The robot knows exactly how to create that cylinder of space, basically, or tube of space to, to keep your arm in it. I mean, this is just extraordinary that we can mix the sort of gaming, the assistance, and you also helping people with their physical sort of ailments, but also their mental ailments as well. Um, I mean, that sort of repetitiveness, the excitement, all that kind of thing. But what you were saying about seeing their own arm moving, that's rewiring their brain to see, okay, how does that work? How do I need to rewire my brain so that this is, you know, a normal function? Um, this is hitting a lot of different components. And I, I guess that was the overall, I mean, I imagine Bert didn't just spring about. I imagine there's been some different steps to get to where he is today. So but, Bert, um, was this the overall goal? Yeah, I mean, so Bert has a very interesting origin story too. So uh, I'll, I'll delve into this a bit because it's really unique. Um, as I told you that, that Bill and Barrett Technology started off making these commercial robots uh, called WAMs and a Barrett wrist, which is like a, like a robot uh, hand that can grab and grasp things and turn things. It's pretty awesome. Sci-fi stuff. You might actually see it if you've seen a robot before, a Barrett wrist and hand. But, you know, that's how they, that was like the first 25 years of their existence uh, was all this and doing engineering projects. And then um, I want to say like in 2011-ish, 2013, they realized that a few of their commercial robots were being bought by uh, RIC, which is called the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab now in Chicago, which is probably the, the most prestigious rehabilitation hospital in the country. And Bill and uh, our COO was like, so why are you buying these commercial arms for uh, a, a hospital? Like, oh, we're having our PhD students refurbish these things and try to see if we can use them in rehabilitation. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, uh, and, and those things were like $180,000, super expensive pieces of equipment that they were like Frankenstein back together to, to see if they could use it in rehab. So what happened is that uh, Barrett teamed up with RIC, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, and also teamed up with Spalding Rehabilitation in Boston, which is probably the, the second or third best rehab facility, depending on who, you, who your rankings are. They may be one, too. I don't want to slight them too much. They're all competitive. Uh, so they all teamed up, and that's how Bert came to be a commercial robot to this medical piece of equipment right here from you know years of fine-tuning and testing and working with patients and PhDs at these facilities. And then we were even able to put like a prototype, uh, I call it a prototype Bert, into uh, a health South hospital in Boston, uh, which is uh, now called Encompass. And they're the largest rehab uh, chain in the, in the country. Um, and they had it for like six months to a year. And they gave us so much feedback that it turned into this, which is even better than it was the first version. And the best thing they gave us was a remote control so what's unique about BERT, again, besides everything else that I've talked about, is that 
everything is run with a therapist wearing this remote control over their 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 neck. Uh, so it's engaging because the patient and the therapist can physically work together. It's not an exoskeleton. The, the, there's a, it's an end effector. So the patient can be sitting down. The therapist can be right behind them working with the arms, the scalp, the positioning, and controlling everything with remote control. So there's no keyboard fumbling. There's no leaving the patient to go tweak something. It's all done seamlessly uh, all through this. And this came not from any idea that, that our engineers had, but OTs had saying, you know what would make it better? This. So, you know, we try to really form partnerships with every hospital that, that has uh, a BERT currently. Uh, we don't call them, I don't call them customers, I call them partners because, uh, you know, my goal is to work with their their direct director of therapy, their, their OTs, their PTs to get feedback and how we can make this better and better and better and tweak our games and make new games and new assessments. And I get to go back all excited are my... Uh, my, my senior national guy, Chris, gets super excited and goes back to our engineers and say, hey, can you make this, 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 and this? And they'll have a list this long. And, you know, since we all do it, we do everything in-house, we have the ability to tweak these things and go back and show them, like, hey, we made this tweak. What do you think? And that they love that. You know, it's, it's being responsive like that to, to create um, changes and basically evolve with trends in therapy because it's always changing what's good, what's bad. What's better? How can we make things better? And we want to be always be on top of that. We don't want to force down what we think is the best. Uh, we're not, you know, I don't think anybody here is Steve Jobs and can force down like what Apple did. Like you want this, right? Yes. <laughs> no, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we know that you can't do that with uh, medical robots. Uh, and, and um, you know, we have a lot of smart people. And, and uh, Barrett, I know when I walk into the office, I'm the dumbest guy there. All I see is all these people with PhDs and, and stuff like that. And here I am like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and I see these math equations like, what is that? And I get scared and I walk out. But, uh, you know, we have really smart people who create great stuff. And I think we're smart enough to really listen to our, our partners to make it better. I think the, the beauty of what you've just said is really that you listen to all the different components of what goes to making a product that really can change lives. You know, it's not a one-man band. It's every single person that ever would touch that product, be whether a patient, like you were saying, the different therapists, the hospitals, um, every single person that touches that product is going to have that, in, you know, advancement and help in the evolution of it. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like you've got, you know, a great company, a great team. And I, I imagine your team is looking to probably grow and expand how how do they hope to maintain that such collaborative way of working as they grow do you think that's going to be challenging yeah i mean it's a, a little bit more of a challenge now given the fact that you know a lot of us are working remotely with covid going on uh but we still have a lot of collaborative meetings and we're looking right now uh as, as the company grows and, and, and there's a real need for this to, to we, need, we need more of everything to make it better and to to, to grow the company. So, you know, we're looking at possibly Series A funding right now to bring some money in uh, to support our, our, our growth efforts right now because we do have this fantastic piece of equipment that changes lives, that has a lot, we've got a lot of positive feedback. We have a few national accounts that are huge. So that validates what we're trying to do. Uh, we have partners like Spalding uh, and um, Shirley Ryan Ability Lab uh, and Sunnyview Rehabilitation in New York. Who support us so you know we have this great technology it's now just getting it out to the masses and like i was saying earlier is that you know we have this awesome new piece of equipment but we're also kind of creating a whole new marketplace uh with upper extremity robotics there were a few that came out years ago that were way ahead of their time way ahead of their time but kind of fell by the wayside because yeah, they weren't perfect there was a lot of things that uh, needed to be tweaked and this checked off a lot of those boxes that with the shortcomings of the previous, you know, uh, giants that came before us, so to speak. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, of work to be done there to create the market, to satisfy the market, to do the installs. There's a lot of labor uh, involved in doing these demos and installing and training and, and all that. So, you know, that's why we're looking at doing some fundraising now to, to get the money, uh, get the kind of an investor that believes in the, in the mission, more importantly. You know, we want to um, make sure that we, we get the right kind of investments too. You know, we want to make sure that they support uh, what we're trying to do here because it is a very family type kind of company. 
uh, with Bill he has created that for the you know 30 plus years he's owned the company uh, and we never want to lose who we are at least as a culture uh, so you know that's kind of uh, the, the trickiest thing we'll do it alone if we have to but you know if we can find the right partner and get the right kind of investments then it'd be great because we'll be able to do this even better and bigger than we are right now yeah and I think as well when you were saying as well um, about all the different people and all different components in the business I mean they must be so excited every time somebody comes back and says we've got a list for you to do can you do this like because there's so many engineers and tech people and gaming people and they love that challenge they love I've never done it before but I'm going to give this a shot and that must be such a rewarding thing to be a trusted but b get the opportunity to work on cutting edge technology um, and you advance your products as the world advances um, and that's that's really exciting I'm sure you're going to get the right investors as long as people hear about you yeah I mean what's great about Bert too is that you know um, again one of the unique functions about Bert one of the unique things about Bert it's truly a platform so a lot of robotics that you see in, in rehabilitation uh, are kind of static what you see what you buy is what you get it doesn't really evolve with time but Bird is made to evolve with you know new gaming, new assessments, new end pieces, new pieces like that go here for grips and stuff like that. So uh, our goal is because we have a, um, a subscription model too that goes with it. So not only do you get the robot, but the subscription basically gives you access to all new games, assessments, hand pieces as they come out as well. So it, it's constantly evolving and getting better. Uh, the last thing we want to do is repeat some of the mistakes other companies have made and still make. Is that you sell them a piece of equipment it's great but it gets outdated relatively soon and it gets stale so therapists don't want to use it that much patients like kind of like eh you know it's not that great anymore either so you know we want to make sure that we're always staying up with the trends that, that's why our partnerships partnerships are so important because we need that feedback to make sure that we're always creating stuff that's new fresh engaging in what is needed in in the uh, industry and not just kind of throwing stuff at a dartboard and hoping it hits. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I understand that model as well. Um, and, and like you said, having that feedback from the users, both patient and, and the sort of experts as well, the, the therapists, you're constantly up to date with, are they actually using it? I mean, I've worked with people that are holding clinical trials and then, because I, I did a podcast with a lady, it's on my page, and she has basically learned how to put into uh, incorporate technology into clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And there was this clinical trials cost millions. And there was a clinical trial based um, somewhere in Africa. It was, and basically there was no there was no patient pros or cons for taking whatever this drug was. And I can't remember what the drug was. And basically, when they had a technology incorporated instead of a doctor, they were able to tell the computer, "No, I'm not taking the tablet because it makes me feel sick." because they were too ashamed to tell the doctor. Yeah. And when you think about this user engagement, we really want the truth. You want that feedback, but are we getting the right thing? And there's different ways to do it, but it sounds like you found a great way for, for your company, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, and we, we also have a really smart engineer who's like a PhD in like AI and like robot philosophy or something like that. So we're working on all kinds of things that helps uh, Burke get smarter too. Uh, and basically be able to track patients and we'll have enough patients who present a certain way that maybe the robot can start recommending certain therapies, recommending what kind of games to play. That's oh, wow. idea. And at some point in time, you know, uh, we'll have enough data. And ideally, one of the things we want an investor for too at some point in time for Series A is to bring Burt home uh, for home use. Because um, that's really where therapy ends for a lot of patients they, they get discharged from their inpatient facility they may have a few weeks of outpatient stuff it's not that intensive some people don't go because it's a pain in the butt to go there two or three times a week uh and they don't get any better they just stop their journey in therapy and one thing that all of the literature says that you can always get better even if it's years after your brain injury or stroke it's all about repetition and doing things over and over again so, you know, we want to get this pretty big, fairly expensive piece of equipment in the home. And then hopefully with the AI help grading, you'll be able to help patients kind of do therapy, customize around what their needs are and get them better and better and better. And it's all about quality of life. It's having a stroke now or a brain injury 
in 2020 is a lot different than having it in like 1980. You know, like my, my, my grandmother had a stroke in 1980 and, you know, she was kind of just put in the corner and not move much and get to be taken care of all the time, right? Yeah. Like people now demand a higher quality of life. They don't want to age gracefully. They don't, they don't want to just be put in the home, right? They want to be 70, 75, 80 skiing, cliff diving, you know, doing something. <laughs> Um, and, and that's kind of where we really want to do is, is not only get this great technology in all these inpatient facilities to get patients early on when it's very important in the acute phase, but also at some point in time down the road, get it into the home so these patients can get therapy, you know, way after the stroke and get better and better and better and get the quality of life they deserve. Because you, um, you haven't mentioned one thing that this is quite accessible. It goes not just over the wheelchair, but it can go over a patient's bed as well. You forgot to mention that. So talk oh, to me yeah. about that. So one of the cool <laughs> things about it, 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 is, it is so mobile. Uh, you have, a, it's hard to see, but you have a robot here that normally has a push bar on it. I took off because it's in my office to get around. And then we have a, a TV cart that basically shows all the games and assessments. Uh, and it's hard, you can just push it anywhere. So it, it's great in, a, in a, a small rehab gym. You can tuck it out of the way when you're not using it. But what we're finding out, especially now in a COVID world where you have um, social distancing even happening in the rehab facilities, even if the patients come in negative and everyone's negative, some uh, facilities have pushed uh, their rehab bedside or patient in the patient room uh, just to avoid any, you know, all these any contacts. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of patients who are high risk already. They just had a stroke or a brain injury and now they're doing rehab. You know, that'd be a bad combination. Uh, so a lot of the rehabs being done uh, bedside or, or in their patient room, which stinks because all the really good equipment that's very expensive is in the rehab gym. That's where all the robots reside. And a lot of that stuff is not mobile at all. It's stagnant. It can't be moved. Bert is made to be moved so you can actually do it bedside. This little lifting column goes up and down so the arm can be raised up pretty high. It was originally made for like uh, motorized wheelchairs. Uh, to get in a motorized wheelchair could use this, but it also works great bedside as we found out with some of our hospitals who use a bedside now. But even a patient who can't get out of bed can start working on cognition and their upper arm uh, rehabilitation uh, on the side of their bed. So yeah, I mean, that, that is a great feature that, that um, has been a really uh, neat, I mean, even more so now than ever, neat feature that we have because a lot of our facilities want to use it in patient rooms and it's easy to move around. So I think that is another really huge feature besides it being all these other great things I've talked about ad nauseum is how mobile it is and how easy it is to move from, you know, point A to point B without, you know, taking it apart or, you know, moving heaven and earth to get it there. That's fantastic. And that is exactly what you need for something like this. It's the accessibility. And you did mention, you know, you're hoping to get this in homes. Uh, maybe there's a stepping stone to get it into gyms or something in the meantime, but you know, is there some way we can get it to, for patients to use after they've come out of rehabilitation? Because they need a lot more attention from things like this after that initial program to make sure they've still got that movement. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, uh, so again, you, you have that very short time in inpatient facility where a lot of the heavy lifting is done, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's very limited. And then, um, you know, you go home or if you're in a really bad case, maybe you go to a skilled nursing facility where you still do some rehabilitation as well. Uh, and then outpatient facilities, uh, when you discharge again, which, you know, insurances for better or for worse, don't cover all that much. And a lot of patients don't do it because they're not motivated for one. And maybe they can't have a caregiver take them there or something like that. So the idea is to get a, a cheap, accessible version, uh, home, homebound, uh, and really help people regain as much of their freedom as they can, you know, and it all comes down to repetition, repetition, repetition. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And that is definitely true with the brain injury. You know, it, it just takes a lot of repetition for your brain to kind of relearn the wiring to do the motion that you knew since you were like four years old or five years old. You know, the brain is an amazing thing and we learn more and more about it, uh, you know, every year. And we always thought there was an infinite capacity to it, but it, it always regenerates. But when you have damage, that information is erased. It's like it's like erasing a hard drive, so to speak. And you can't go to the, the cloud, pull it back down. You got to relearn it and reprogram it. And that's the, the tough part. You know, when we get older, we don't want to do it. <laughs> and maybe you're demotivated. <laughs> but everything that you learn today 
uh, is because of neuroplasticity. You remember it, and you know if you retain it more and more, the better you get at it. You read it once, comes and goes maybe. This is very that's, impactful. I think that's everything in life, isn't it? If you do it once, you probably won't remember it. And if you do it right. multiple times, you'll probably get better at it. So it makes a lot of sense. And I think um, we were talking last time as well, and you mentioned about sort of COVID-19, and that's obviously caused this machine to maybe help even more people. So tell me a little bit about what, what sort of statistics COVID-19 has, has brought about in terms of more people having, you know, the need for something like this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I mean, COVID-19 is still so unknown, right? And uh, thankfully, the mortality rates are flattened out and it's pretty low, but the people infected are pretty high. And, you know, there's, there's data out there that, you know, 700,000 Americans will need inpatient care because of COVID complications. Um, wow. Because it does, it does cause stroke in younger patients. You know, we're seeing 40-something-year-olds, 50-something-year-olds having stroke that have no un underlying conditions that would make them prone to stroke, and the only thing that is there is, is COVID, right? So there's these unknown things that COVID does to the body that can create stroke, uh, coronary uh, issues. Uh, they're going to lead to more and more inpatient facilities taking younger and younger patients. So it's all going to be about, you know, the quality of life and just how much um, technology will be needed to, to support this. Uh, so COVID has a lot of um, negativity given the unknown, but one thing that is known is that rehab is a, a component. You know, you have these patients who go on ventilators, and if you go on a ventilator, you definitely have to go to rehab. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. One day in an event equals one and a half uh, percent loss of muscle mass. Uh, it's almost like age. Yeah, so you can, it, it's, it's pretty intense. So besides having these strokes, besides getting vented and having all the problems that comes with venting, venting uh, you know, you, you have uh, what's called brain fog they're seeing in patients as well, lethargic cognition problems. All of this will need rehabilitation, um, and a lot of that will be done in inpatient rehabilitation facilities. So you're going to see even a larger number. So, you know, we have the baby boomers moving through who are aging out, who are more, more prone to cardiac issues like stroke and heart attack, who fulfill the rehab facilities. But now you have younger patients being affected by COVID who will also need rehabilitation, put more strain on the rehabilitation facilities to provide this kind of care. And one of the best ways to actually supplement human power is robot power. Uh, so, you know, one thing Burke can do is also help with that, is, is take more burden off therapists and have, have um, Burke do it. So, uh, you know, we're seeing that as, as, a, as a rallying cry for us as well to make sure that we get into facilities, educate people and try to help as many patients as possible. I mean, when you think about um, the amount of ventilators that, you know, there's obviously been a shortage. We've had, you know, mass uh, production of, of ventilators recently to, to cover, you know, the amount of people affected by COVID. And if you're saying that anyone put on a ventilator is going to need some sort of rehabilitation, you know, there's a huge deficit in terms of rehabilitation gyms, accessibility, the amount of OTs available, uh, the amount of good OTs available, and I don't mean good and bad ones, I mean good as in like um, experienced and maybe yeah. are able to not be ill themselves so they've got enough strength within them to care for multiple patients. That's got to be tough. Yeah, that's a big thing too, is that you've seen, you know, we're seeing a lot, uh, especially uh, probably in the, in the rebound, right? So probably after the first wave and you start seeing in the summer in Texas, we've seen hospitals that we work with where COVID's broken out with the staff. And, you know, if your OTs are out or who does, who do, or PTs are out, who does the therapy? Now you have, you have assistants and stuff like that, but they may not be as skilled. One thing that, you know, Burr can do or some of the other technology out there can do is kind of help assistants, OTAs and PTAs, still get a very high level uh, of rehabilitation that is, is easy to do, easily trackable, tangible, not subjective. Yeah. So Burke also help with that too. So you don't have to be a skilled necessarily OT to use BERT. An OTA or PTA can use BERT as well and still deliver that high level of repetition, high level of therapy, even though they may not have the skill set that an OT or PTA might have. So we can fill that void too, um, which is, you know, another unique thing about, about the BERT. You know, it's better having a therapist and patient working together, but BERT can work independently with a patient as well and provide that high level of repetition high level engagement without having a, a human OT, PT 
um, available as well. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of uh, things that Burke can do. That's that's pretty amazing that we didn't realize when we first created. Like, oh wow, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps surprising even you. No, it sounds. Right. It sounds like it's one of those things where, you know, an OT or a PT can set somebody up on foot and then go and help another patient and that sort of frees up uh, their time, but also their their strength as well, because it's, yeah. you know, right. it's, it's quite trying on them to, to be able to take the weight of a patient whilst they're doing these exercises. So that's obviously a big thing. And like you said, you know, patients, OTs, PTs and other hospital um you know nurses doctors they're all out with covid a lot of them at the moment and even if they're back and working that strength is is still going to need to be regained from themselves as well so yeah. we're in a we're in sort of a, a time where we need but more than ever now don't we <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's one of the one of the one of the things i'm most curious to see in the next year or so once things are somewhat back to normal i guess is the kind of investments that you're going to start to see hospitals and governments make on robotics in in, um, in medical. You know, you've had a pretty big surge in robotics for surgical equipment. Almost, you know, everyone has a Da Vinci machine or something like that, or a Mako, or does some kind of uh, you know um, Ethicon uh, you know device for for heart surgery or something like that. It'll be interesting to see what kind of commitment they make to robotics and rehabilitation and other other sectors. That really haven't been dominated by, by robotics because it can really help with the overwhelming of a system when robots can take the burden off human capital and, and take up some of that slack and provide high level treatment so um it would be curious to see the investments be made in the future on that yeah this is definitely um an, an area of advancement to to watch we're, we're seeing a lot of robotics and technology incorporated into medical um, sort of field. So it's, yeah, it's definitely something to, to watch. So tell me about, um, so a patient that's been helped by this, what what have they, like, what's their success story been then that you've seen um, that's really sort of solidified that, you know, that really works? You know, we've seen a few uh, fall throughs, like basically hospitals that have, we've seen a patient early on, maybe during an installation that we get, we, we reach back out to the hospital and find out how their outcome was. And we're seeing, um, you know, patients stay engaged. They, they'll, they'll spend their two weeks playing BERT and get better, and it's trackable, which is kind of cool. You know, we have all kinds of analytics in there that track uh, range of motion and strength. And, you know, you can see a patient start off so limited and then get better and better and better week after week, day after day. And, you know, there's a patient down in Texas who um, was a, he was a traumatic, he was a, a spinal cord injury, actually. He, he fell off a ladder and broke his back, I believe, or broke his neck. Oh my and, uh, yeah, so, and he was like an MMA fighter, if you can believe it or not. Uh, so he was really despondent when we saw him uh, because he had some motion, but he was pretty affected on every limb. I mean, both walking and hands, you know, it was just a really bad situation for him. And we had him um, try Bert, and we have a punching game. So there's a game called Punch Party. So we actually punch things. And, and um, yeah, so, you know, the first time in there, you know, this guy's been pretty depressed and hard to, to treat. But put him in there, strapped his arm in, set it up, he started punching. And he was having so much fun, he was putting his other arm up to guard, like he was punching like, like he was an MMA fighter. Oh, wow. And he was speaking, he was Spanish, he was speaking Spanish, and I know a little bit of Spanish. He was saying, I was a great puncher, I was a great puncher, I was known for my punches. And his niece happened to be there, and she was showing me video of him as an MMA fighter, and how engaged he was here. And they, they were shooting, she actually shot video and FaceTimed her family to show her uncle uh, engaging in therapy, and, and we followed up, and... He stuck with it and, you know, he kept motivated. He always wanted to play punch party. So, <laughs> uh, that's one of the cool things about it, right? Some therapies trigger something you remember that you want to do or get better at. And that's the right motivation you need to get better in your, your rehabilitation journey. So, you know, stories like that are stories that make people break out of their shell and start speaking again because they're aphasic, right? Aphasia means you really can't put words together correctly. You know, I've seen that firsthand where we've had a, a, an old lady who had a stroke aphasic she starts using it she's doing pretty well and i'm taking her arm out and she says thank you to me and the therapist i can't believe it's the first word she said in like a week or so oh, so wow. you know it's all these kind of things that you actually see the outcome now is it bird is it a therapy is it just luck 
who knows, but it's a combination of everything that leads to better outcomes. And having a small portion and getting patients motivated to do their therapy, to stick with their therapy, to show improvement so they feel motivated to keep on doing better and doing more of it is, is, is the, the thing that we try to do and what keeps us going, keeps me going in the field. You know, when I'm on the road for like, you know, 100 days of, out of the year, you know, it, it's that kind of stuff that makes you so psyched uh, and gives you so much energy because you leave the hospital smiling and just, it's like amazing. So that's, and those stories are the best. You're literally, everybody that listens to this podcast is just going to be sending you their resume. That's literally what's going to happen now. Because um, you, you talk about your country, your country, your company with such passion, the business, the model, how you will collaborate, and just the fact that you help patients in such a personal way. Um, you said at the beginning of this, you know, you see them at their most vulnerable and that is such a hard thing to see, but it's such a great thing to be there and support with when you know you can help. Um, so it definitely sounds like, yeah, you're just going to get lots of people coming to you. So if people listening to this do want to get in touch, uh, they want to invest, they want to come and work for you, what, where do they go to? They can go to barrettmedical.com for one. Uh, that's one place to go see our website. Uh, they can look, at, look, at, look up us on LinkedIn at Barrett Medical or Bert, Bert uh, on Facebook as well, or, you know, Rob DiNicola on LinkedIn. Um, you know, uh, we'd happy to share our stories and share our success. And hopefully as we, we grow, we'll need people as well because uh, we do an amazing amount of work for a very small team. You'd be amazed at what we do with the small team that we have. And that, that's a testament to the people that we hire, our culture, and to, uh, to Bill and the senior team. Fantastic. And what I'll do is for anybody listening out there, I'm going to put Robert's LinkedIn below. I'll put the website. So if anyone wants to get in touch, find out more about Bert, uh, that's B-U-R-T. And um, yeah, have a little look. But thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Um, so thank you very much. It's uh, it's just been a real journey that you've been on and, and it's great to hear your story. Oh, thank you, Lynn. It's always a pleasure to talk about this equipment and what we do because it, it is really amazing work. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I'll leave it there and I will speak to you again soon. For everybody else, thank you for tuning in to MedTech Talks and we'll be back very soon. But please reach out to Robert and Barrett Technologies to find out more information. Bye for now.